right, good evening. Thank you for joining us tonight. I hope you took the occasion to uh, sing out and praise the Lord tonight as we sang out. Um, praise God. Uh, praise God for who he is. Uh, praise him, Brother Ray, for what he's like. Praise him for your salvation. Uh, praise him for our church, our church family. Praise the Lord again tonight for uh, blessing our church corporately and blessing our individual members uh, so very abundantly. Lord, we thank you tonight. Let's pray. Father, we do thank you tonight for your many blessings. Lord, you're so very worthy of praise, even if not for our blessings. Of course, you are worthy of praise. Lord, you alone are worthy. Father, we do thank you tonight for your blessings. They are uh, amazing expression of your grace. We do not deserve these things, and yet you are so very wonderfully gracious toward us. Lord, I thank you tonight for working in my life. I thank you for Zachary and Ray and each uh, one who has been able to uh, come and be here at the church this morning. We pray now, Father, that you will work in this service tonight. Uh, Lord, wherever people are, give them hearts to sing out and to praise you. Father, as we look into your word tonight, I pray that it would be a wonderful encouragement. Lord, if there's business we need to do, if there's things that need to be uh, confessed, uh, Lord, I pray you give us the heart to do just that tonight, that we may walk right with you uh, before this uh, service is over. Lord, I love you. I thank you. Father, I pray that you work in my heart tonight. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Our next song is going to be number 465. We'll sing 465, Draw Me Nearer, all four verses. and it told thy love to me but I long to rise in the arms of faith be closer drawn to thee draw me nearer nearer blessed Lord to the cross where thou hast died draw me nearer 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 blessed Lord to thy precious bleeding side Consecrate me now to thy service, Lord, by thy power of grace divine. Let my soul look up with a steadfast hope, and my will be lost in thine. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Oh, the pure delight of a single hour that before thy throne I spend. When I kneel in prayer and with thee, my God, commune as friend with friend. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. 
There are depths of love that I cannot know till I cross the narrow sea. There are heights of joy that I may not reach till I rest in peace with thee. Draw me nearer, nearer, blessed Lord, to the cross where thou hast died. Draw me nearer, 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 blessed Lord, to thy precious bleeding side. Take your Bible tonight, please, and turn to Psalm chapter 6 tonight, Psalm 6 tonight. Uh, we open tonight singing, praise him, praise him, uh, and then draw me nearer. Zach, those are both Fanny Crosby songs, right? Is that correct? Uh, both, both written, lyrics written by Fanny Crosby, who, of course, uh, serve the Lord right here in our own backyard, uh, just several miles from here in Bridgeport and. Um, for she was privileged uh, to serve the Lord greatly in teaching children uh, and in writing um, many hundreds, perhaps even several thousand hymns, many of which might not be known, but uh, many of which are certainly greatly known and, and still sung uh, by churches like ours. And Brother Ray, I'm, I'm reminded tonight that uh, she suffered a great trial throughout the majority of her life. Uh, she lived without sight. Uh, she lived without sight. And uh, if you've had any kind of visual difficulties at all, you can begin to imagine the difficulty of that trial. And I was thinking as we, as we sang, draw me nearer, draw me nearer, precious Lord, uh, how the Lord no doubt used the trial of her blindness to do just that, to draw her nearer to him. Uh, she had little choice but to recognize her dependency on the Lord as a believing woman, uh, a Christian lady. Uh, and so rather than being angry at God and drawing away from him, she allowed the trial to draw her closer to the Lord. And he did that. And despite her physical difficulty, she was used greatly by the Lord uh, for his spiritual purposes and accomplished much. Uh, imagine uh, one lady living in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, writing hundreds of songs, many, many of which are still being sung uh, more than 100 years later. And it's, it's really an extraordinary life that she had. It's, it is a, it's a story of faith. It's a story of faithfulness, uh, God's faith uh, to work in her life, and her faithfulness to her God to serve him with the grace that he gave. Now, Last Sunday evening in Psalm 5, uh, we saw David's faithfulness as, as God demonstrated his faithfulness to David in the midst of trials. Psalm 3, 4, and 5 are kind of a trilogy, right? They, the context seems to be uh, Absalom's sin and uh, literally waging war against David, his father, and deposing him from the throne uh, that God had given him. Um, we saw that David remained faithful. He, he took his difficulties, his trial, every aspect of that to the Lord faithfully and uh, found in the Lord grace to remain faithful in the face of great adversity. He uh, found grace to stay prayerful and worshipful, and God blessed him. God, God blessed him with everything that he needed to endure 
that um, unthinkably, what must have been an unthinkably uh, difficult trial. Well, uh, tonight, uh, tonight we find David, I believe, in a different context historically, uh, but here in, in Psalm 6, David is not so much seeking God's grace tonight, but rather his mercy. Uh, it, it would appear to be the case that he's seeking God's mercy. Uh, psalm 6 is uh, the first of six so-called uh, penitential psalms, and that's a little bit of a technical term, but all that means is that these are psalms in which the writer seeks forgiveness uh, from the Lord and restoration to the Lord. Uh, simply stated, these, these are psalms in which the psalmist cries out humbly uh, for forgiveness, for mercy from the Lord. The, the other such psalms are Psalm 32 and 38 and 51 and a portion of 102 and uh, Psalm 130 and Psalm 143. I know you didn't get those down, but uh, you could back the tape up, I suppose. Uh, Psalm 32, Psalm 38, Psalm 51, a portion of 102, uh, Psalm 130 and Psalm 143, uh, those are psalms that we've looked at for the most part over the past uh, couple of years. Um, David is identified as the human penman of this psalm. They're God's words. David is the, the penman. Um, and it is um, widely assumed, and I, and I think it's probably the case indeed, that uh, David, we find him first crying out for forgiveness and mercy uh, what, would be, what would be the most likely occasion, uh, historically, uh, for David to utter such a prayer? Well, probably uh, around the time of his sin with Bathsheba. Of course, we do well to remember that he sinned against Bathsheba's husband, Uriah, as well. He sinned, he sinned against both of them. He sinned against God in doing so. Uh, you remember that Nathan uh, confronted David and, and called him to do business with the Lord, and I believe it is most likely that this psalm is just that, Brother Ray. It's David doing business with the Lord at the urging, at the urging of Nathan. By the way, you will be a good and loving friend uh, if you have a friend in the Lord who needs to do some business with the Lord uh, and you choose not to ignore that. You pray for that person and go humbly as God opens a door. You go wisely as God may open the door uh, to lovingly and gently implore that person to get right with God, uh, to do prayerful business with God, to uh, confess the sin, to repent and forsake the sin, uh, and ask the Lord, ask the Lord to restore you to a right walk with Him. Uh, a good friend in the Lord will not ignore your sin. Uh, but will, uh, if, if it's evident that it's necessary, uh, will call you to call out to the Lord to do business with God. And um, we know that Nathan did just that. And of course, that, that is a great example for us. Let's read the psalm tonight. It's um, 10, uh, 10 short verses. Here in Psalm 6, uh, Psalm 6, the title is to the chief musician on Naganoth upon Sheminith, a psalm of David. He cries out here, O Lord, rebuke me not in thine anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak, O Lord. Heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. 
But thou, O Lord, how long? We'll talk about that phrase. He says in verse 4, he prays, return, O Lord, deliver my soul. O save me, this interesting phrase that follows, for thy mercy's sake. He continues in verse 5, for there, uh, for in death there's no remembrance of thee. In the grave who shall give thee thanks? Verse 6, David continues, he says, I am weary with my groaning. All the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my tears. David says in verse 7, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Verse 8, David turns now to his enemies, uh, perhaps those who sought to capitalize on uh, his situation, the consequences of his sin with Bathsheba. He addresses them in verse 8. He says, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity, wickedness, evil. He says, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. He was confident that God heard and that God forgave. Verse 9, he says, he continues, the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. He says in verse 8, let all mine enemies be ashamed, confounded, uh, and sore vexed. Let them return uh, and be ashamed, confounded suddenly. Uh, tonight, David's, David's humble cry for forgiveness, uh, his humble cry for forgiveness. Let's pray. Father, I thank you tonight for David's example of crying out to you uh, in the aftermath of sin. Lord, it's clear tonight that he's asking for your mercy because of his sin. Lord, we thank you tonight that um, you are a merciful God. We thank you tonight that grace, uh, the salvation that we do not deserve, is made possible by you and your only begotten Son, who you sent to the cross, our, our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I thank you tonight that because of that gracious plan and the, the faithful obedience of my Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, you're able and willing uh, to be merciful toward me, a sinner, and toward all of my brothers and sisters in Christ who are sinners saved only, only by and through your grace. Lord, we do not deserve it. We deserve your wrath and punishment and chastening, your rebuke. Uh, Father, you're merciful, and we thank you tonight for that. Now, Lord, I understand tonight that at times you see fit to chasten, to correct your people. Even today, uh, even in this dispensation, even under the new covenant, you, you do at times see fit to lovingly correct us. Uh, and yet, Lord, I, I know tonight that no matter what rebuke or correction we may receive uh, this side of heaven. Heaven remains our home. Uh, we will not suffer your wrath in hell uh, because the price for our sin has been paid by Christ our Savior. Lord, thank you so very much uh, for that truth. Lord, I thank you tonight that as we saw David's faithfulness, uh, as, he, as his faith was encouraged by you in prayer, uh, tonight we see his confidence in you. And Lord, I pray tonight that we can find the same confidence in you uh, that David found all these hundreds of years ago. Lord, you've, you've not changed one bit. Uh, you're still a God who's perfectly reliable. And Lord, we're a people who, uh, as much as we need your grace and mercy, we've been enabled by you to find confidence in you. And I pray tonight that our confidence would be bolstered, that it would be greatly encouraged and aided uh, by this 
by this psalm and just these next few minutes. Lord, I pray that you'd use me tonight. Help me, guide my thoughts, and help me to handle your words well for your honor and your glory. Father, I love you. I thank you now, and I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, as I was studying this psalm, uh, if, you, if you look through it just in the first, well, look at verses 2, uh, 3, 4. There's, there's two words that keep popping out. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Oh, Lord. Uh, David is uh, taking care to remind himself and, and to remind us he's praying to God. Uh, he's looking to God for what he needs. Uh, he's suffering, evidently, great consequences uh, for his sin, physical, emotional, spiritual. It's all there, right? It's all uh, alluded to pretty plainly. He's suffering great, great uh, consequences in, in his entire being uh, for his sin. He's messed up. Uh, he, had, he had sinned against God, against Bathsheba, against Uriah, most importantly against God, and, and he's suffering the consequences of that. But uh, having uh, suffered the chastening of the Lord, uh, up to a point at least, and, and I believe having been encouraged by Nathan, he's crying out, O Lord, verse 2, O Lord, verse 2, verse 3, O Lord, verse 4, O Lord. Uh, he knows where he needs to direct his prayer, where his attention needs to be, where his prayer needs to be focused uh, to find mercy. It's to the Lord who is merciful, who is merciful. And even uh, down in verse 8, when his prayer seems to be ended, and he's, or mostly ended, and he's turned his attention to addressing uh, his enemies in this day, again, I think these are enemies that are seeking to take advantage of his situation. Uh, as, as his situation has become known and uh, enemies kind of moved out of the woodwork in, into the light to take advantage of David's uh, difficulty here, uh, he, has, he has a new uh, round of enemies here. David addresses them uh, with confidence that he is found in the Lord, and he just continues to allude or to refer to the Lord. Verse 8, the Lord. Verse 9 begins with the phrase, the Lord. <laughs> Halfway through verse 9 again, the Lord. Uh, David found confidence in the Lord and he, in, in praying to the Lord and, and finding what he needs, and he's, he's um, relaying that confidence. His confidence is not himself. It's not in anyone else. His confidence is in the Lord. He's not afraid to say that. Uh, and, of course, we should not be afraid to say that, too. Tonight, I hope you have a great and growing faith. And I hope that as your faith is growing, you find that you have a greater and greater confidence in Christ. He hasn't let us down yet. He's not going to. Uh, he's not going to. We can have a great confidence uh, in him. He's perfectly trustworthy. The Bible reveals him uh, to be just that. Well, let's go back to the top here and, and make some observations. Uh, look back here at the title. To the chief musician, we've been looking at these words, um, these Hebrew words, Neganoth upon Sheminith. Sheminith. Uh, we saw back in chapter 4, Neganoth is a stringed instrument. Uh, in chapter 5, in Psalm 5, we saw Nehaloth, that's a wind instrument. Uh, and here in verse 6, we have Sheminith. Uh, this is a literal reference to the number 8, Brother Ray, uh, the number 8. And so it would seem likely that he's, he's referring here to a stringed instrument of eight strings, perhaps a lyre, 
an eight-stringed lyre, which would be a small harp-like instrument. It's a reminder for us that these were uh, worship songs that were intended uh, to be used in worship there at the tabernacle. So uh, the, these are songs. They're inspired songs, and um, they were accompanied by music, and it's good for us to keep that in mind. Uh, these were intended uh, to promote worship of the Lord uh, for who he is and what he's like. And uh, it, as, we, as we read, as we look again, I want you to think about that. How does this encourage my worship of the Lord for who he is and, and what he's like? Well, see here, uh, next part of verse 1, we see David humbly asking the Lord to refrain from rebuking him angrily. Uh, he prays for mercy. He knew that God's rebuke could be far worse than it already had been. He says, O Lord, rebuke, judge or reprove me not in thine anger. Uh, anger is that Hebrew word off, which literally means nose. And uh, <laughs> I've used the kind of the illustration. Uh, think of the, the raging bull or the, the, the bull in the bullfight getting ready to charge at the matador. He's, he's breathing in and out angrily. Uh, the word nose is, is, is a picture of anger. In that way, um, this would seem to be the idea. In any event, he says, O Lord, rebuke, uh, judge, reprove me not uh, in thine anger, neither chasten uh, me in hot displeasure. Don't correct me or teach me uh, in your hot displeasure, in your anger. Now, uh, no doubt David recognizes that God has already been working on him. Uh, no doubt that is the case. Uh, he's asking God to be merciful. God has his attention now. He's coming to God. He's saying, Lord, uh, you know, you've, you've gently, well, somewhat, <laughs> it's a relative term, I suppose. Uh, you've rebuked me. You've chastened me. You've worked in my heart. Uh, God, I, I now ask for your mercy. You have my attention. By the way, that's the point at which you can reasonably expect God uh, to turn off the chastening. When you've responded to his correction, uh, there is no more need for his correction. You can reasonably expect God to turn down the, uh, the chasing when you've responded, when you've responded as God intends. And, and so David uh, is responding. He's crying out to God, uh, seeking mercy. It's at least implied that he's asking for forgiveness and asking God to be merciful. He says that in the second part of verse 2. He says, have mercy upon me, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, O Lord. He recognizes that God is merciful, and in asking for God to um, extend mercy to him, uh, he's recognizing that, that God could, could do that. God, God is uh, a God of, of mercy, and he, he chooses, he, he can choose to uh, extend mercy to whomever he desires, whenever he desires, and so uh, David asked for that. Well, David um, moves on in the second part of verse 2, and he gives us a window into <laughs> the kind of chastening that he's experienced. Remember, his sin was pretty grievous. It was, it was really bad. Uh, his sin was great. He, uh, he caused uh, a man to be killed. Uh, he committed adultery. These are, these are great sins, terrible sins, uh, terrible sins. And he's suffering the terrible, uh, I mean severe now, severe judgment, uh, chastening, correction of God. Uh, first, you see allusions to physical chastening. 
Uh, this may allude to some affliction. In the middle of verse 2, he says, for I am weak. I'm weak. I think this is physical weakness here. He's, he's suffering some physical affliction um, that God is using to correct him. He says, for I am weak, O Lord. He says, heal me. You know, if you're sick, the best thing you can do, and we see this multiple places in Scripture, is, is cry out to the Lord for, for healing. He says, for my bones uh, are vexed. Now, you might say that's poetic language. You, you might conclude this is poetic language. He's talking about just uh, the sorrow and the emotional turmoil of, of um, being in a sinful place and suffering the, the guilt of that and the chastening of God. Uh, I think that that's alluded to in the next verse. He says, my soul is also sore vexed. My soul is also sore vexed. So it's pretty clear to me David's is really suffering as a result of sin uh, in God's chastening. He's suffering physical affliction. Uh, he's suffering emotional and spiritual turmoil. Uh, and it's, it's pretty severe. Well, how severe is it? He's not sure how much longer he can go on, Zach. Uh, at the end of verse 3, he says, But thou, O, o Lord, how long? Uh, how long? Lord, how long uh, can this continue? Uh, how long can I endure this? Uh, you, you see in the verses that follow, David wondered if he was about to die. Uh, he said, Lord, if you let me die, I won't, I won't be here to thank you for your mercy. Uh, don't let me die. Uh, David was in such a difficult place physically and spiritually and emotionally, he literally wasn't sure uh, if he could go on. He was in a bad place. Um, God will let a person get to that place if that's what it takes to cause someone to repent uh, and cry out to God. Uh, later on in Psalm 13, David, uh, he might be alluding to the same, the same time uh, historically. Uh, in Psalm 13 and verse 1, he said, How long wilt thou forget me, O Lord, forever? How long wilt thou hide, hide thy face from me? The uh, Lord allowed him to get to that place. Zachary in Psalm 77 and verse 7, Asaph, he was in the same place. He said, Asaph said, Will the Lord cast off forever? Will he be favorable no more? Uh, the Lord had allowed him to get into a, a place of, of really great, significant turmoil. Even Moses, you may recall, in Psalm 90, which is a psalm of Moses. Don't forget that David wrote many of the psalms, but not all of them. Uh, Asaph has some. Moses uh, is the pendant for Psalm 90 in verse 13. There, uh, Moses prayed, return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. Um, listen, if you refuse the correction of God, if you're continuing down the road of sin and you refuse uh, to be corrected by God, uh, he will sometimes dial up the correction. Uh, he will sometimes allow a greater and greater chastening into your life. Now, that could involve all sorts of trials including but not limited to the things that we see here tonight, afflictions and emotional turmoil and spiritual uh, disharmony. Uh, that's the consequence or some of the consequences of refusing the conviction of God and refusing uh, to get right with God. Well, David understood that the answer to that situation is to cry out to God as he's doing, uh, as he's doing. He's He's crying out to God, and he's bringing the specific things that are, that are troubling him and ha have him in such a bad place. He's, he's crying out for mercy. Forgiveness is implied. He's praying about the specific aspects of the chastening that he's experiencing. 
uh, bringing those specific things to the Lord and asking God now to deliver him from the chastening, recognizing that, he's asked the Lord to recognize that uh, it's worked. <laughs> God, God has corrected him. Uh, he's been brought to his knees. He's asking for forgiveness, mercy, and he's bringing the specific trials to the Lord and now asking, and rightly, he has every right now uh, to humbly ask God to dial down the chastening, to deliver him, to save him from this correction, uh, and to save his life because he's, he's not sure he's going to live. Verse 4, he prays, return, O Lord. Who's he praying to? The Lord. Return, O Lord. Deliver. Uh, deliver. That word deliver is interesting. It, it, it can mean uh, to take me from one place and put me to another place, but it can also refer to uh, equipping someone to do that. Uh, equipping someone to do that. Return, O Lord. Deliver my soul. Deliver me from where I am uh, to a better place, physically, emotionally, and spiritually. And he says, oh, save, oh, save me. The word save there is also translated preserve and rescue me. God, rescue me uh, from my trial, from, from this correction. Preserve me from dying. Lord, Lord save me, uh, save me. I don't think this is, he's not, he's not crying out for spiritual salvation here, but he is asking for forgiveness, mercy, and deliverance uh, from, the, from the correction. Now, my favorite, my favorite part of the psalm is the next um, half a verse and a verse, the next verse and a half, the second part of verse four and, and verse five. I want you to really take care uh, to note these things tonight and to get this into your, into your mind and down into your heart as well, okay? I want you to see here David's reasons for pleading for God's mercy. Uh, his motivation, his rationale, the overriding rationale for his desire to know God's mercy, very surprisingly, is really not about David at all. It's not about David, Zachary. It's not about David at all. He says, Lord, <laughs> in the second part of verse 4, he says, Lord, do this for thy mercy's sake. And then in verse 5, he says, For in death there's no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? Do you see here that as much as David wants to be delivered from this correction, and he could reasonably expect that now, uh, his rationale for desiring that is not at all, not, not really doesn't seem to be even one bit about him. Uh, he desires God to be merciful and to deliver him from every aspect of this trial so that God's mercy would be displayed in his life. God had allowed him to get into a very difficult place, uh, a place of sin. God will permit you to sin, uh, and, and God can even be glorified in that. If God is merciful toward you as a sinner, his mercy is put on display. Please don't take that as an excuse to sin or as a motivation or rationale to sin. No, <laughs> Paul would say, God forbid. Uh, but David is pleading here not as much for himself as, as for the Lord's benefit. God, if, if you'll deliver me, your mercy will be on display uh, in my life. He wants to be an occasion for God's mercy uh, to be made known. And then in verse 5, he's, he says, listen, even uh, he, he, this verse 5 where, where he thinks he might die, I think, uh, he, he's alluding to the idea that if God would withdraw his correction, 
withdraw the physical affliction and all the turmoil that goes along with that, uh, David uh, would give thanks to God. And in that, God would be further glorified. He doesn't want to just get free from the correction for his own benefit. He wants God's mercy to be on display, uh, and he wants to still be there, not for himself, but for the opportunity to thank and praise God for his mercy so that God's mercy would be magnified in David's life. That's an amazing thing. Uh, for me, it's, it's the most extraordinary <laughs> it's the most extraordinary. Uh, part of, of this psalm. Uh, you've, been, you've been in a tight place, a difficult place, many times, I'm sure. Uh, you've been in a place where you felt like, maybe I can't go on. Uh, I'm, I'm in such a difficult place emotionally or physically, I'm not sure I can go on. And, and you just, you begin to pray, God, please just uh, deliver me from this difficulty. Deliver, Lord, just please heal. Please give comfort. <laughs> I wonder how many times when, when we've cried out like that, we stopped and said, you know what, God, uh, if, you, if you'll do that, if you'll do that, um, I will make this an occasion to give you honor and glory. That was David's heart. I understand David was a very imperfect man. That's why he's crying out for mercy, right? But God has, has used the correction to get him to a place where he's not living for himself in his own lusts now. He's living for his Lord and desiring that his Lord would be magnified in mercy toward David. By the way, David's not manipulating God here. He's not, he's not trying to get one over on God saying, you know, God, if, if you'll do this for me, I'll, I'll do something for you. He's, he's, not, he's not entering into a bargain or a, a plea negotiation here. And he's, he's certainly not trying to manipulate God. By the way, you cannot manipulate God. Amen? You cannot manipulate God. God sees everything. He sees every agenda. He sees your heart. He sees every thought. Uh, he, is, he is so far high above. There's no manipulating God. That's not what David's doing here. Uh, he's expressing a heart that the Lord would be magnified in his mercy toward David. And that was his motivation for desiring to uh, be delivered from the trial. That is a wonderful, godly a wonderfully godly motivation. Lord, help us to have that same motivation. Give us grace when we cry out to you that our deliverance from trials, our deliverance from correction would be less about us and more about an opportunity for you to be glorified and magnified uh, by, by your mercy seen in our lives. It's an amazing thing. David goes on here and he, he returns back to describing his state uh, so he's his condition. Uh, he's done that in verse 2 and verse 3. He's asked God for um, deliverance, verse 4 and verse 5. And, and he goes back for a moment to describing his state. And uh, why is this? Well, uh, I think it's a reminder that uh, God really would be glorified for his mercy. Uh, if, if God delivered David from everything that we see in verses 2 and 3 and 6 and, and 7... God really would be glorified. David's not going to accomplish this on his own. That's why he's crying out to the Lord. That's why he says, oh, Lord, seven, eight times. Look at verse 6. He says, I am weary. I'm weary, Lord. I'm, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm at the end of my rope with, with this. I am weary with my groaning. He says, all the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with my what? What does it say? 
What does it say there? My tears, my tears. This is a man who's in real emotional turmoil, uh, not just physical, although that was a thing, not just spiritual, although that certainly was a thing. There's a real emotional turmoil that accompanies this correction. Lord, I'm weary with all my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim, verse 6. I water my couch with my tears. I don't know if you've known that kind of emotional turmoil or not. Perhaps you have. Perhaps you took your eyes off the Lord and, and you just, you know, you allowed your eyes to stay on yourself rather than your Savior and, and you've experienced God's correction, a real depression. God allowed that. He didn't have to allow it, but he did allow it so that you would realize that you could not be well physically and emotionally, spiritually, unless the Lord would mercifully bless you with that. Uh, and so you cried out to the Lord for mercy. Uh, that's what David did. Verse 7, he says, mine eye is consumed because of what? What's the G word there? What is the G word? It's not God, but it's, it's grief. God allowed him to experience great turmoil, groaning and grief. He says, it waxeth old because of all mine enemies. Now, again, I do not believe this is Absalom here. It could be. Uh, it could be. And if it is, Lord, okay. Uh, but I, I don't think so. I, I, as much as it could be, I rather think this is more likely more likely enemies that arose in the aftermath of the um, episode with Uriah and Bathsheba. But either way, either way, we know that um, David did have enemies. And you know what? That is part of the trial that God allowed into his life also. David allowed enemies to come against him, as even his own son, to depose him. Uh, and God used that to grow David's faith, to grow his reliance upon the Lord, to cause him to deal with sin in his life, to draw closer to the Lord, and to rely upon the Lord for deliverance from all of the things that God had allowed, physical things, emotional things, spiritual things, situational things, enemies, uh, enemies in his life. Would you turn over to Psalm 38 real fast? Psalm 38, I wanna read um, this Psalm of David also. Turn over there real fast, please. Uh, Psalm 38, um, I think probably alludes to this same episode. Uh, it's a very similar prayer. It's a prayer of David, and it, it has um, all of the hallmarks of the same episode. And, and perhaps it's a, it's a companion uh, prayer to the prayer of Psalm 6. Uh, there in, let's, read, let's read some of this psalm here. Psalm 38, verse 1, the Bible says, David prays, O Lord, rebuke me not in thy wrath, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. That sounds familiar. For thine arrows struck fast in me, and thy hand presses me sore. There is no soundness in my flesh, physical trial, because of thine anger. Neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. He knew this was chastisement. Verse 4, for mine iniquities are gone over mine head. As a heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. My wounds stink and are corrupt because of my foolishness. He knew that he suffered physical affliction because of sin and chastening. Verse 6, I'm troubled, emotional uh, chastening. I'm bowed down greatly. I go mourning all the day long. For my loins are filled with a loathsome 
disease, added by translators, and there is no soundness in my flesh, physical chastening. I am feeble and sore broken. I have roared by reason of the disquietness of my heart, spiritual and emotional suffering as a consequence for sin. Verse 9 says, Lord, all my desire is before thee, and my groaning is not hid from thee. Verse 10, he says, my heart panteth, my strength faileth me, as for the light of mine eyes, it also is gone from me. That's a man who's in a really difficult place, uh, evidently because of sin. And so what does he do? He doesn't just continue to spiral down the drain. He doesn't let that happen. He doesn't just let himself die. Uh, he, he gets down on his knees and he, he cries out to his God and and he confesses his sin and he brings all the different aspects of what he's experiencing to the Lord. Uh, and he finds, he discovers uh, a God of great mercy. Well, I praise God tonight that God has not changed one bit. Uh, he's still a God who will lovingly and perhaps harshly chasten, correct his people. Um, you know, not, not every affliction is the chastening of God. Not every trial is the chastening of God, uh, but sometimes it is. And listen, if, if you're known, if you know a physical ailment uh, or other and or other trials accompanied by accompanied by the great conviction of the Spirit of God, you might reasonably assume biblically that what you're experiencing is the loving and yet severe chastening of a very holy, righteous God who loves you enough to not ignore you, but rather to intervene powerfully in your life to get your attention uh, and to cause you to get down on your knees and cry out to him and plead for mercy, uh, plead the blood of the cross, the blood of your Savior, uh, and confess, and, and confess your sin, agree with God, confess it, repent, ask for grace to forsake, um, and you can reasonably expect God to withdraw his chastening. Now, that doesn't mean every trial goes away. We remain in a spiritual battle, and God continues to allow trials into our lives to grow us. You praise God for those trials. You praise him for the chastening, for the correction, for the trials that he allows in order to correct us. You praise him for that and thank him for that. Imagine where we would be without those things. Lord, thank you for allowing trials to correct me when I need that. Lord, thank you for allowing trials into my life to grow me. Lord, you, you, you lovingly desire my growth, and I'm, I'm thankful for that. Well, it's evident here in our passage in Psalm 6 that uh, David... Having uh, prayed for mercy, confession, and seeking forgiveness is at least implied. Uh, it's evident that David was confident that God heard and that God would forgive him. And so David finds a boldness in the Lord, a confidence in the Lord to address his enemies and to address them in, in, with confidence and boldness from the Lord from the Lord and based in his now right relationship with the Lord. Look at verse 8. He addresses them and he says, Depart from me, who? 
uh, depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. All of you who are trying to capitalize on, on my situation, uh, God's correction of, uh, on me, uh, just depart from me. That's done now. I've done business with the Lord, and you have no business here, so depart. Depart from me. He's, how, how can he say this? On what basis could he, what, could he command them? Be confident they, they might listen. He says, well, for the Lord, for the Lord. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. His confidence wasn't in himself or in his own power to defend himself from his enemies or to repel uh, their attack. His confidence is in the Lord, and he invokes the name of the Lord. You know, Jehovah God, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord, verse 9, hath heard my supplication. He says it twice. Psalm-like poetry here. He says it twice, and then he says, the Lord will receive my prayer. Uh, it's quite evident that he's confident in God's forgiveness, and he's found a great confidence uh, to go forth and to repel his enemies accordingly. Um, in 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13, make a note, 2 Samuel 12, verse 13, the Bible says, David said unto Nathan, I have sinned against the Lord. I've sinned against the Lord. And Nathan said unto David, the Lord also hath put away thy sin. Thou shalt not die. Uh, I think that David knew when he cried out to the Lord that he'd be okay. He'd live. God will withdraw the chastisement from his life. And God used, God graciously used Nathan Evidently, 2 Samuel 12 and verse 13, uh, to confirm that to David. God has heard you, uh, sinner. He's put away your sin. Uh, how far? As far as the east is from the west. Amen. Uh, and you'll not die. You'll, you'll not die. David, uh, I believe God used Nathan first to correct David, to guide him to seeking reconciliation with the Lord, and then to encourage him once he had done that. Uh, praise God for faithful brothers and sisters in your life who will encourage you to get right with God and after you've gotten right with God, encourage you for having done that uh, with teaching and instruction. And uh, you may not be able to prophesize what, God, prophesize what God will or won't do, but you know what the Bible says. You know what the Bible says God will or won't do. Uh, Nathan encouraged David and da David no doubt found confidence in that. Uh, from the Lord and, and from God's man to address his enemies with a confidence and a strength and courage from the Lord. Um, verse 10, we're done. Uh, we see here, having found confidence in God's forgiveness, David not only addressed his enemies with, with a sort of testimony, right? He referred to the Lord three times in those two verses in addressing his enemies. He, he, he tells them, uh, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, it's the Lord, and uh, having done that, he, he prays this imprecatory prayer against them. Uh, he invoked God's judgment on those uh, who might have sought to take advantage of his situation, enemy, enemies in, in, that situ in that respect, as we've said. Uh, and he, he, David knows he's right with God, so he can, he can pray to God and, and pray that God would deal with these enemies. Uh, how does David know that God can deal with people? Brother Ray, how does David know that God can deal with people? Well, God's just dealt with him. 
God, God has brought him to the brink of, of death. <laughs> He's brought him to the brink of the grave. And uh, I believe David probably would have died if, if not for responding to that correction uh, as he did. David, of anyone, if anyone knows <laughs> that God can deal with people, David has just experienced that. He knows it experientially. Uh, and so he, he prays and he invokes the Lord's um, judgment upon them. He says, let all mine enemies be ashamed. Has the idea of disappointed or, or confounded. Let them be ashamed. Let them be disappointed that their plan to uh, take advantage of me and my situation will be confounded. It will not come to pass. God will not allow it uh, to come to pass. I've gotten right with God, and he will not allow that trial. He will bless me. He will bless me. David was very confident. He found confidence from the Lord and, and confidence from Nathan. He says, let all mine enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. David's the one who was just sore vexed. He used the same word, vexed, vexed. He knows that God can deal with people. He was sore vexed, and he, now he says, God, you do the same thing to them. Uh, God, you, 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 you turn your attention to them uh, and deal with them. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return uh, and be ashamed suddenly. Um, I have no doubt that, well, I can't say this for sure from Scripture, I don't think, I think it's very likely, Brother Ray, that uh, David's real heart here was that those who had come against him would be corrected by God, that they would experience the same correction, that sore vexation, that they would experience the same correction, and that they would respond to that correction by repenting of their wicked desires and get right with God. Uh, David has just experienced that, and I believe that's really what he's praying for here. I don't, I don't know that uh, his desire is that God would just destroy his enemies here. I believe his desire in context would be that God would deal with them the same way God has dealt with David, and that um, if, uh, if sore vexation was what would, would be required to cause them to get right with David, and more importantly with God, that's what David desired. Now, I don't know tonight that I would encourage anyone to pray for God's correction in someone's life. I pray that people get right before the Lord would, would choose to bring great trials of correction into their lives. But uh, you do have here an example, I believe, of, of man's desire and heart and prayer that, that God would enter into the lives of his enemies and correct them. Um, I think it's perfectly fine to pray that. God, you, you get a hold of those hearts. Uh, I do pray sometimes, God, you do whatever it is that you need to do to get a hold of that person's heart and save them. Or I'll pray for a believer who has fallen into sin. I'll say, Lord, you, you please intervene in that person's life and do whatever you know is necessary in order to cause them to turn back to you to confess, to repent, to forsake the sin, and draw back close uh, to you, Lord. I, I don't know what's required, and I don't want to pray for more than what is required. I don't, want, I don't enjoy seeing uh, even someone who might be considered an enemy uh, suffering. And so I pray, God, you, you know what's required to get a hold of someone, lost or saved, 
and to turn them to you. So God, I, I pray that you would accomplish that. That's a perfectly biblical prayer. And I, I think tonight, Lord probably is greatly encouraged that he, he's blessed that our desire is to see God act in people's lives uh, sovereignly to lead them to Christ. Understand I'm not preaching Calvinism now, but the Lord would allow trials if that's what's needed uh, to, to cause someone to consider Christ. Or if it's a believer who's strayed from Christ, that God would do whatever he knows is necessary in order to cause them to repent and turn back to the Lord. Um, that's, that's a loving desire on, on the heart of a Christian. I pray, God, you, you, whatever you know, whatever, whatever you, you know to be required, I pray that you would bring that to pass. Uh, of course, my first prayer is, Lord, just give that person a heart to get right with you. Give that person a heart to get right with you. God, if, if you can use me in that equation in any way, um, help me to remain prayerful. Help me to be watching for an opportunity to share the gospel if it's a lost person or to lovingly share biblical correction wisely in a way that is easy to be entreated with that person. Give me an opportunity, Lord, and give me wisdom to do that. Uh, having been corrected, David's heart, I believe, was to see others around him be corrected. Um, he would benefit from that, no doubt, um, as he would benefit from the Lord's mercy. But in the end, I'm sure that as David's motivation for seeking God's mercy for himself was that God would be glorified. Uh, in the end, David's desire for the correction of his enemies was so that God would be glorified. Uh, he desired, I'm sure, I'm sure that that was his, his heart more than anything. And uh, Let's pray tonight that, that God would accomplish whatever he desires in our lives, in the lives of those who maybe have turned against us, that God would use us any way he chooses, that God would um, sovereignly bring to pass whatever is required to effect correction, and that our goal in praying that would be God's glory, the glory of our Lord and Savior. Let's stop and pray. Lord, we do thank you tonight. We thank you tonight that you're a God who does correct believers. You don't just ignore us and allow us to sink further and further into sin. You love us too much for that. Uh, and so you correct us, yes, harshly when that's needed, but lovingly, as a loving parent, we'll correct a child, uh, disciplining and training a child to do right. Lord, we're your children. Father, I pray tonight that our desire to, um, well, that we would have a desire to respond to correction. Lord, if we recognize your chastening hand in our lives tonight, I pray that uh, you'd, we'd ask you to shine a light in our sin and give us a heart to confess that even now, even right now, Lord, in, in this moment, if there's sin that we need to confess, I pray that you give us a heart to confess that right now. Lord, that you'd be merciful toward us. Father, not for our own glory, but for yours. Lord, if there's people who've come against us, people who treat us like enemies, people who oppose us, Lord, we pray tonight for them, uh, that you'd save the lost. And uh, if they're backslidden believers, true believers who backslidden or who are simply acting in a fairly unchrist-like manner, Lord, that you would correct them however you see fit. Lord, for your honor and for your glory. Yes, we'll benefit, Lord. We know that, but I pray tonight our motivation would be your honor and your glory. Father, I thank you tonight that when we respond to, 
to your chastening with prayer and, and repentance, we can find a great confidence in you and a courage in you. Lord, you often lift trials, and we, we can thank you. We can thank you for that and, and testify to your mercy and to your power and to your love and to your grace. Lord, you're honored and glorified by that. Give us a heart to do just that. Father, I love you tonight. I thank you. I thank you tonight uh, so much for all of these things. Lord, in, in closing tonight, I want to pray for a, a church that, that we've become familiar with, uh, at least a bit, uh, for Willimantic Baptist Church uh, in Willimantic, Connecticut. I understand this is a, uh, a church that's been planted by Lakes Pond uh, Baptist Church and, and Pastor Doug Meter. We pray tonight for that church. Uh, Lord, I, I know it's not, uh, it's not a brand new church plant, but it is a church plant. I pray, Lord, that you would just continue to strengthen that church, that you would use it uh, as a lighthouse, a beacon of hope and truth in Willimantic, that you would use it to save many people. Understand the church is a mix of English and Spanish-speaking people. Lord, that uh, you would just save people, that you would use that church to accomplish your purposes. Bless Pastor Meter, for his heart to plant that church and, and to be used of you. And we just ask you to have your hand upon that assembly. Lord, of course, we pray the same for our own church tonight. Father, as we do business with you uh, individually uh, and get right with you, Lord, I pray that we become that much more available to you, that we become that much more usable by you. Lord, I thank you tonight that we can only be usable because of the cross because of Christ and his blood uh, which covers and removes sin once and for all. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. Help us to be practically right with you that we might be available to serve you however you desire. Lord, I thank you for grace to do just that. I pray for my brothers and sisters, all of our church family tonight. Pray you bless them for their faithfulness, Lord. Please, <laughs> please, Father. I love you tonight, Lord. I thank you for all of these things. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.